I'm Anna Tonk. Welcome to How to Be Human, a podcast that explores the common and often confusing themes of humanness. I'm not doing a fancy intro because y'all, I got so many DMs. I got so many nice messages about Vanessa's episode about career changes that immediately I was like, I want you to come back. So Vanessa is joining me today to talk about astrology and specifically the astrology of 2023. But before we get into that, astrology is obviously a big vast topic. It was humbling for myself when I was trying to learn it when I was like, oh my God, 12 houses, 12 planets. We're doing like, there's so much. Vanessa, first of all, happy new year. Thank you for being with me this. It feels like early morning, but it's noon. That we're recording. I know it does feel early and I'm an early riser too. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, if, I'm not, space a, is not real. It, yeah, it's so weird. I know it's obnoxious to ask you, how do you define astrology? But I feel like before we get into the year ahead, we should. Yeah, I think that's a very <laughs> fair question and, and not, not in any way annoying. I think it's good to get clear. And also, you know, I think that astrology is very interesting because it is such an ancient tradition with so much research and data and information available but then we all have a personal relationship to it. And then the interpretation is another whole kind of oral tradition and lineage mm. and almost like mystery school element. So there's a lot going on. And for me, my relationship to astrology is, I would say, more leaning on the end of being open to the concept of it being an oral tradition in that I want to explore the nuance of every sign and house and planet and see how it applies to the world at large. And I think that that's something that I've talked about. I was even in our class yesterday that you were in kind of briefly mentioned, you know, my interest in the outer planets made a big impact on my practice because the external climate of the world really determines how our personal natal, natal chart is going to unfold. Mm. And I want to help people tune into the fact that, yes, you could have what looks like an amazing career year, which actually was supposed to be what I was going to have in 2020 when everything shut down <laughs> and I was unemployed for a year. But that journey was also, it was a good career year in that I had no choice but to continue my studies, not just in astrology, but more so that's when I really deepened my study in psychology and also started doing a lot of writing about social and political themes that I was seeing in the stars. And that that really has unfolded this new layer of the way that I talk to people. And it's pretty much when, like many astrologers and a lot of healers too, it was when my practice kind of opened up as a bigger part of my life. Hmm. And so, yeah, for me, the definition, my definition of astrology really is a, it's a template of a way to look at the occurrences in our life and hook into the quantum concept of riding the waves of <laughs> our purpose and our destiny and landing ideally in the best kind of healthiest, highest expression of what that is and how it's determined. 
Sounds great. Sign me up. We both love Ann Ortley. You studied with her. I only studied with her via her podcast and seeing her for sessions. Love her. I just want to offer to anyone who is interested in astrology, but maybe has like no idea which way is up. That way that I started to what Vanessa is like speaking to is I printed out my chart and I would listen to Ann Ortley's weekly weather report and I would make notes and I would look and go like, okay, she's talking about this transit. I would look at what house it was in for me or whatever, you know, like she would give little clues, you know, like these are the themes we may see. This is what on a personal level you might experience this, or this is the stuff that could be introduced. And then on a global level, we might see this. And I started to connect some dots. And I like what you said about your career. And like it very rarely, whether it's astrology or it's tarot, I think does it play out super literal. Anything, I think in any kind of like psychic arts or system that we're trying to understand the world through, something we all have to keep in mind is like, it's letting us know what's available. It's not a guarantee of delivery. And it's not a guarantee that it will play out the way you desire. So if a career year, you define it as like great success, much money or whatever, that's not necessarily what the agreement is. And that is frustrating. But I think that that is where the real powerful knowledge lies is to go kind of like, it drives me crazy. I sometimes with my friend Melissa, I can be a bitch to her because I hate using astrology for doom and gloom. And I hate the way a lot of people are now, you know, pumping out these articles of like, Pluto's doing this, what it means for you. And then everyone freaks out. And it's like Pluto's like a generational outer planet. Yes, but no, but like, I hate the living and dying by it. And I hate all the doom because I think we all can use that to avoid really seeing what our medicine is. You know, it's way easier to be scared that Uncle Pluto is going to fuck up our life than it is to go, what is it about us that makes me so uncomfortable? Like when someone's talking about power, why am I so agitated? You know, and I'm deeply nerdy in that regard of where I'm like, no, look at the real medicine, you know, like unless, of course, it's myself. And then it's like, no, Uncle Pluto is going to ruin my life. But I like the way you approach it of sort of really asking, you know, like, what do I have? How could I how can I benefit from looking at this? You know, I know you as a friend and I love that you'll sprinkle astrology into our conversation and be like, ooh, it makes me feel very cool being friends with an astrologer when they're like, oh, yeah, like that totally tracks with blow. And I'm like, yeah, totally. I'm like, I'm so I appreciate you think I always understand. It is like someone speaking a different language where I'm like, ah, she told me that the weather yeah. is nice today. But the rest of it I didn't understand, but I understood like the sun is out, you know, or something. But I, before we get into 2023 again, what did you astrologically about 2022, what felt, I feel like you, you've talked a lot about um, the Taurus Scorpio eclipses, but mm -hmm. what do you think was astrologically significant from the year before for us to think about going into this new year? Like, what are we maybe carrying over before we get into fresh stuff? That's like the perfect bridge too, because last year, you know, last year was a lot about processing and assessment mm -hmm. and figuring out how to work with a few different energies 
that the year before and and many years before with all of our dismantling of Capricorn energy associated things, which had a lot to do with criticism around capitalism and capital in general and value. Then we stepped into last year was with the nodes being in Scorpio and Taurus. This was about like wrapping your mind around values, nourishment, give and take, um, themes of both greed and generosity, all of these things. And then the other thing, the other energy that we're bringing into this year in a big way because Saturn going into Pisces in 2023 was that Jupiter-Neptune conjunction in Pisces. And just in general, what came up for you while Jupiter was in Pisces? That is this other piece where we're going to find the next layer of medicine for our collective progress. You know, Saturn being in Aquarius also is very important because we had Saturn in Capricorn, then Saturn in Aquarius, both rule both signs in different ways. And so Saturn in, in Aquarius was trying to still in this more intellectual way, um, encourage us to think about and, and dialogue to an extent about what useful community and collective structures were. Like, what are we replacing these oppressive structures that were dismantled dismantled in 2020 and, and so on. Now we're stepping into this whole other way of connecting, which is has an ephemeral nature, which will require a certain type of openness to merging and connection. I think a lot of the the pain points of the past few years was like, how do we reconcile differences? Hmm. And how do we come back together even in the literal sense because of pandemic separation uh -huh. and everything? So the Jupiter-Neptune conjunction that happened in 2022, you know, a lot of people were saying this is the beginning of like a renaissance period. And that certainly yeah. could be one way of exploring that. But it also was a big expansion of something that I think at least I can only really speak for my experience as an American, but we are not comfortable with the spiritual, right? If you think about whether we're talking about religion, it's like you keep that to yourself or all the old tropes. And then going into the more transcendent or alternative ways of connecting to the reality of spirituality that lives in, in us all, you know, whether it's you're doing astrology or tarot or something like that, or things like psychedelics and the, those ways of opening the mind, all of these themes, the Jupiter-Neptune conjunction only just kind of pushed that to the forefront, turned the volume mm. up on that on that little piece. You know, on stereos, you could like turn the yeah. treble or the bass or whatever. Yeah, you're different like different levels. Yeah. So the Pisces level is getting turned <laughs> up. And in 2023, Saturn going into Pisces, you know, Saturn is a totally different vibe than Jupiter and Neptune. So now it's sort of like we had this burst of inspiration or revelation, big like new emotions that we don't know what to do with because we got used to being in that sort of adrenalized trauma mode of 2020 yeah. and 21. Now we're stepping into like the even messier work. But in my opinion, it's also some, I mean, obviously I'm biased because I like this <laughs> stuff, but it's the most powerful, you yeah. know, and it's, it's almost like the thing that I want everyone to work on exploring and protecting, because if we still, you know, look at collective progress from this place of, you know, a little bit of weariness of the authority that still remains, because it's not like we actually changed the government. Right. I mean, we have a 
standard issue government at this time and all of those things, you know, we're having conversations about change, but it's not like things changed in a year. So we need to be aware and be vigilant and be protecting people's rights to accessing the the sweet tenderness and compassion of Pisces and all of the things that Pisces rules, which are famously sort of controlled and have been controlled, right? If you yeah. think about in many ways. And so that's going to be up for us. And that's something that's kind of carrying over in the biggest way, I think, from 2022. That's already very interesting to me. And before we get into 2023, when I posted on the Instagram that you were coming back and asked if people had questions about astrology, we got, I don't know, 8,000 about the age of Aquarius. <laughs> so... I only think it's very funny because I identified with the people being like, what does it mean? What is its significance? Lots of confusion about the age of Aquarius. So what when people say that, what does that mean? I can't when I can't hear anyone say, well, it's the age of Aquarius or well, now we all have to like step to the forefront because it's the age of Aquarius. Like I just am hearing hair the musical that like, I'm never really thinking about it from an astrological or a spiritual standpoint. Is it real? Is it about like the Lionsgate portal? I get riled up every year on eight, eight that I'm like, it's not a real thing. Do I need to start getting riled up about this age of Aquarius as well? And start being like, it's not a thing. You know, like I just, it feels highly sus to me. Is it sus? Is it real? Are we in the age of Aquarius? I just don't really know what it means. Yeah. So it's kind of part of my philosophy and practice to almost not tell anyone what it means or doesn't mean <laughs> from a place of an authority only because, mm -hmm. first of all, there's a few different things that it means. And that that goes from everywhere from like different sort of traditions of astrologers, as well as like actual astronomical information. But the bigger thing for me with something like the age of Aquarius or the Lionsgate, which also is debatable, my thing is that as a Virgo and as a sixth house moon, I want everyone to have their own relationship to ritual and to connection. Mm. So if every year during Leo season on AA, you're doing like meditations and burning stuff and like you're seeing God, I need that for you. <laughs> For right. me to know that we live in a good world, I want that for you. Now, am I going, if someone comes to me for like a reading with hyper emphasis on this and there's nothing in the chart and there's nothing for us to go on besides, you know, various opinions about this portal. And I also just love, I love a portal. Why not open up something new? <laughs> you are a bit it's, slutty for a portal. You do love a yeah. portal. <laughs> yeah. Every, I can find a reason for a portal. Which is good. I mean, I hadn't, like you're, you're giving me some food for thought because I just, I think because every eight, eight or eight, seven, it begins on Instagram. Everyone starts talking about the lion's gate and, and I get riled up that you're, you're right. It is more important to me that people are doing rituals and connecting with themselves and seeing portals. If that, that appears for them, you know, like feeling a sense of that, than it is whether or not it's like factually accurate. You're giving me food for thought. And then in terms of the age of Aquarius thing, the other thing with that too, is just, um, Whatever your understanding of it and or whether or not you feel that it's real, it's also a, you know, these ages last like hundreds of years. 
And so of all of all the things that we would be working with, you know, during the great conjunction in Aquarius, the Jupiter-Saturn conjunction in 2021, that was being regarded as one of the ways of accessing this age of Aquarius that, mm. you know, may or may not be relevant. That conjunction also may have aspects in your chart or be occurring at other times that are almost more significant for you to then participate in that bigger picture. Mm. And that is also how I interpret some of like how we, you know, if we do talk about something as expansive as the age of Aquarius and like how we work with it. And it's like, well, you know, we had a lot of other stuff going on in Aquarius at that time that was more acute that does have to do with community connection, extreme progress, pushing for progress, organizing new ways of connecting to a more progressive way of seeing each other like individually and as like a body of people and societies that are going to push things forward that we will not see the result of, basically. Mm. Do you think some of the hype about it is that it, I mean, because these things last for so long and age can last for hundreds of years, I think you just said, do you think it's rare for people to experience it changing in their lifetime? Um, yeah. Could that be some of the hype about of like, I just feel like it's like interesting people to me who I, I didn't even know were in astrology will like reference it. And I'm like, I wonder what it is about certain things that like get built into the collective consciousness, like regardless of interest. And yes. I think it's sort of like Haley's comment. Certain things are just cool. Mm -hmm. Like if you get to experience it in your lifetime yeah. or see it, you're like, that's cool. You know, like being a part of history, it's not always cool. It can be a pandemic and it's, you're like, but it's also, I don't know. We all grow up reading books and seeing these things and being like, whoa, I wonder what that was like. And then it is weird when it's like, it's your turn. <laughs> you are part of the history, you know, and experiencing of things. I actually think that is a great point and a really good way of looking at it and a good way of like validating someone who does, whether you like want to know if you need to know or want to know exactly what it is. Like those are all, all valid questions. And there were things, you know, when we were really starting to look at 2020 and all of the conjunctions that were going to be hugely transformative for many generations and, and life-changing, um, all of those <laughs> conjunctions were and looking into all of this and i i also had these questions of like what which ones are we focusing on and what does this what does this mean for me and for us as a world together and it is rare to be alive during a change of an age or during a during a transit that occurs i mean even the fact that we're alive during the pluto return of the united states is also a big one because no one ever no human ever has a Pluto return. So all of us who are alive and experiencing that, that's also another one that is really significant and cool to think about. So for sure, everyone alive and conscious now, and also anytime something sort of taps in or, or you know, like you get your little psychic alarm bell around something, you are meant to be exploring that. But in a way, something as nebulous as the age of Aquarius or the Lionsgate portal. I think those are two really good examples of there's a lot of debate around them, but if they are somehow like pinging on your radar, you should be seeking out various info about it and see how you feel about it. But don't ever feel forced or limited by its occurrence. Yeah. Yeah. The big thing I think any astrologer 
that I admire really emphasizes is like, we don't live and die by astrology. Like if yeah. you have to sign a contract during, Mer you know, Mercury retrograde, you do it. You just do it with, you know, reading it three times, giving it to someone else and having a lawyer involved. You know, it's like you just protect yourself, but you don't say, I cannot buy this house as it is Mercury retrograde, you know, which I think is funny. Like at this point, I used to really live and die by it and then had to like buy a computer during, you know, Mercury retrograde. And I was like, oh no, you know, and was all like, and I very much was like, what would and what they do? And she's like, we don't live and die by it. Like, you know, you're going to live your life. And I really like Mystic Medusa as well. And she's like similar about, you know, you just do your due diligence. And the only thing I'm, I'm really, I won't initiate shop or like do anything big with a, a void moon. That is something... Yeah, I'm, I that's the only one agree. I'm like really kind of strict about that if I really care or it, I think it's anything I'm really initiating, you know, because it, it was funny. I was like listening to Anne right before uh, Thanksgiving many, many moons ago, and it was going to be a void moon on Black Friday. And she was like, don't shop. Everything will be wrong. It'll be the wrong size or it's going to be the wrong color. But essentially, like everything you buy on these sales, you're going to it's going to have to go back, you know. And I worked in a production office and I was like, OK, cool, 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 cool. I'm not I like uh, I mean, I'm not a big like for any shopper. I think it's terrible anyway, but whatever. Deals are deals. Sometimes you get seduced. But I was like, I'm not I'm not going to do it, you know. And sure enough, like everybody in the office I start hearing all the tales of like, oh, I bought this TV, but it arrived smashed or I did the, you know, like everyone's Black Friday shopping had gone awry. And I was like already sort of like, if the moon doesn't know what sign it's in, like, and I'm a cancer, like I, I really feel a kinship with the moon. I'm like, like, it made sense to me. Like I, and I, and then when that happened, I was like, oh yeah, I'm not, I, I, that'll be one of my rules. Like I'll, I'll bend it, you know, from Mercury retrograde or something, but this, this void moon, yeah, I won't initiate or start something or, or do a big shop or whatever. When that's up, I felt like I had seen the way. All right. So what's coming at us in 2023 what are the stars got for us or this i like to just be dramatic about stars but i really should say signs i shouldn't also before sorry i keep saying i keep doing this to you i keep saying we're gonna get into it and then I ask you another question but i'm gonna do it again no, absolutely, yeah for the people who maybe don't know what is a conjunction and what is a transit yeah, so a conjunction is when two planets come together at the exact same degree. And they say, what if we and kissed? <laughs> <laughs> what if we kissed in Capricorn? <laughs> How chaotic would that be? <laughs> oh, I'll get it together, but that really, it's like making me see, you know, cartoon planets being like, what if we kissed in Capricorn? Oh, oh that is, I mean, I'm I'm here for a cartoon representation of the zodiac <laughs> forever. Um, yeah, and so when when planets come together, you know, they're working together, so it really exacerbates the action of both planets as well as the sign that it's in. And then a transit is any time a planet is working through a sign or in your chart, a house in the chart. And I mean, this might blow some minds, but. When you want to know anything that Vanessa is going to speak to, probably the place to look for it in your chart is not via your sun sign, but right. your rising, which 
I remember when I found this out and it blew my mind. But now I barely even read my cancer horoscope. I almost always just read my the Aries for because your transits, what the planets are doing kind of in real time is going to be talked to in your rising sign. Am I saying that right? 100%. Yeah. Yeah. And I actually feel like it's a public service announcement for both people as well as astrology, like overall to share that information because so many people will say my horoscope wasn't right. And so astrology must not be real. And it's like, well, if you're reading Leo, but you're a cap rising, of course it's not right. Yeah. You're not reading the right thing. And that just is, you know, that's how it's been forever is that most credible daily, monthly, whatever horoscopes are based on the rising sign because that's the beginning of your chart. And we talk about the transits going through different areas of your life. There is a way to write a solar horoscope, which is just a totally different experience. It's pulling the sun to the first house and it's more about how the sun, how your sun functions throughout Mm -hmm. that journey. But that's not something you will see unless you seek it or, you know, you go to someone who specializes in that. So yeah, it is... For someone who is wanting to like look at horoscopes, I would recommend rising only. And of course, when you're working with your own chart, um, that's how you're looking at it. And everybody has everything in their chart. I will hear people say sometimes, I don't have any Taurus in my chart. And it's like, you maybe don't have a planet in in that right. sign, but we, we all have everything in our chart. You know, like... Um, you do have Taurus in your chart. You just maybe, maybe it's an empty house or you just don't have something, but that doesn't mean you're not going to be affected when something is transiting that part of your chart. Correct? Yeah, 100%. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So the transits will affect that sign if you don't have a planet. And then it also will likely make aspects to your other planets. So mm. that does make its presence very known. And then on a more in-depth, more advanced type of level, there's also progress charts and other things that you may actually low-key now at this age have a little something in that area yeah. of your chart. I have to say our beloved Ann Ortley blew my mind. The The difference I felt when my, my son, my progress son went into Leo versus Cancer was, mm. and then when it went oh, into yeah. to Virgo... I was like, oh, this is so interesting because I really could almost to the day like pinpoint when the shift was of like, did I change as a person? No, but did it really dial up some of those qualities? Like, yeah, you know, it was just really interesting when I learned about that. But like, I feel like we don't want to get too in the weeds with that for people. Another word I think worth uh, defining is aspect. When something is making an aspect, what does that mean? So put real simply, it's like sending vibes. <laughs> we literally just what? talked about how like we've gotten far in life off vibes before we started recording <laughs> that we were like, it's tough sometimes to distill things when you just like operate on vibes, you know, and here we are and like That's even the it. planets operating on vibes. But I think that that is like as someone who uh, I've got like some interesting aspects that like always come up with astrologers and it's like, yeah, that is, it is a bit of a vibe. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, it's sending energy, it's meeting, but in a different way. Right. You know, I think, I think that we sort of have a biased association with vibes being good because we're Mm -hmm. so programmed, good vibes only, but 
vibes are just vibes. You know, I'm, yeah. it's, it's an energetic, when I'm talking about aspects, it's an energetic thing, right? So you can also have bad vibes. People can, you know, you know what it's like when bad vibes walk in the room. That might be a hard <laughs> aspect for you. And so basically we have the planets in our own natal chart. And then by transit, the planets are coming around and one might be a bully to your moon for a little while. And you have to kind of, you have to then, you know, you can't really do anything about the vibes coming at you. Yeah. You want to be aware yeah. of what they're going to be. And also for me more in my own practice and the way I work with those things is like, what is just the best way to navigate this? Not necessarily preventing it because I think that sometimes we, when we're studying astrology, it's easy to get preoccupied with that. Like, yeah. oh, I'm going to like, I'm going to shore up all of these different ways that this retrograde is not going to affect me or whatever it is. But it's like, there does, it's more about learning how to work with, be adaptable, see value in, and also just kind of explore new parts of yourself during the aspect. So if you do have, say, a hard aspect coming through your moon, instead of like, hiding about it, which sometimes actually hiding from an aspect could, yeah. could be helpful. Like an avoid moon, we're ultimately like, we're going to rest for a little bit and not buy anything or whatever. But, um, you know, sometimes it is also helpful information to be like, okay, so when this person or situation is hurting my feelings or making me feel unsafe or challenging my security, how do I advocate for myself? And then that's when we start layering on all the other circumstances. Is this yeah. a time for you to really gather your courage and have the convo? Is this a time for you to practice forgiveness? So on and so forth. So that's that's what's going on when transits and aspects are really, this is when the whole symphony is coming together. It's funny you say that because I had a reading and I'm in Aries rising. So I always look at what that Mars is doing and... Mystic Medusa, I, I guess it was a Mars retrograde many moons ago. And she was like, whoever starts the fight loses, you know, like in, mm. in Mars retrograde. And I mean, Mystic Medusa, I love she's Australian and she will, you know, she'll make these very sweeping proclamations. But I do think there's benefit in that, you know. And it was funny because it was like, I forget what it was, but it was essentially like, you may feel like everyone's like trying to start shit, do the best you can to not engage, let them sort of like wear themselves out, blah, blah, blah. And it was like really helpful. And at first I was like, well, shit, I don't want to like fight with everybody or I don't want everybody, you know? And then I was like, oh, this is really helpful. And I, I remember there were like three different things that happened where I felt like this moment that I was grateful I had read that because I was like, if I hadn't, I maybe would have like gotten down in the mud or I would have been like, I just would have reacted, I think. And instead I was able to have like, it's not like it didn't hurt my feelings or whatever. I'm not saying I didn't feel how I felt, but it gave me this ability to sort of witness it a bit better and be like, I think this is a little bit more related to the energy we're all in of like, you can feel the crackle in the air, like people are just a bit on edge than it is about anything to do between us. And if I match their energy, then we are going to have a fight. But if I just like go, 
I'm not going to engage with this. Maybe we can calm down and figure out what's actually going on. And it was really helpful rather than the doom, rather than being like, oh no, because of this aspect, like I'm just going to fight with everyone. And instead just being able to make a more clear-headed decision of how do I want to engage? I could have just fought if I wanted to, but I was like, I don't really want to do that. It's a waste of energy, you know? But it was really interesting. And then I saw Anne not that long after and she was like, has everyone been trying to pick a fight with you? And I was like, yes, Anne. It was like so <laughs> funny. And she was like, it's because this has been touching this, you know, and da, da, da. it was really interesting. But it also felt so validating when she was like, well, has everyone been trying to pick a fight? I was like, it does feel that way. Thank you. You know, but it was this really nice time when I felt like it was this way to feel a sense of knowing a bit more what was going on that didn't necessarily let people off the hook or whatever, but just felt a little bit more comforting than just like, oh, these friends hate me or, you know, like it was just helpful to see the larger picture of life's complicated. You never know what's going on with people. And sometimes if you can keep yourself from reacting, you can maybe have a more productive conversation. And I was like, shout out to astrology for letting that be possible for me (laughs) in this moment. Yes, I love that. I actually think that's a perfect example of the real usefulness of this practice. And one of the things I love so much about astrology is it inherently, of course, encourages us all to be the best, kindest person we can be, just because any type of self-inquiry hopefully would lean us towards that. It also very practically lays out various continuums of experience that our conscious minds aren't really able to tap into in a time of mm. fight or flight or woundedness or yeah. and mm. you know something that i started to really think about a lot through studying psychology and then finally finding like a really good therapist who could talk to me about the stories i tell myself mm. it feels like astrology when you tune into the transits and when you start teasing out what's happening and applying them and not justifying either your own or other people's inherently like bad behavior per se by a transit, but just kind of seeing exactly that, like having more compassion for them and yourself and allowing things to unfold and allowing yourself to, or encouraging yourself to like pull out different things from your toolkit instead of telling yourself a very specific story about what you're feeling in that moment because you can't really see it accurately when you're triggered or when you're hurt or when you're shocked. Yeah. So I love that. And I think that some of the Mars stuff, you know, we have Mars retrograde right now, and it actually is making a pretty big imprint on 2023. And it was a big part of the end of this year. And that's one where I think, you know, culturally, we don't navigate conflict very well. And the other thing that Mars really rules is momentum. So slowing down, do we like that? <laughs> Not I mean, a fan. We, we're starting to say we do. Yeah. We're starting to try. <laughs> I think we're all trying to convince ourselves. You know, it's like we've got a couple like strong leaders of the like rest movement and slow down and slow yeah. living. Like yeah. we've, we've got some we've got some people modeling it. But yeah, I mean, it's all fine and well until it's you, you know, who needs to right. slow down or doesn't have a clear path forward. That's really funny. Yeah. So we're working. I mean, that one, that's just, a. I, I love your story about just having that be enlightened and then also reaching for support. I just, I think that there are times in 
our own chart where we're going to need not just the support of an astrologer, but just kind of in general to know, you know, checking in on your chart, talking to the people you trust, bringing in maybe other forms of support instead of being reactive or instead of having this be set in stone. It's like, and that's something that, you know, I try to explain to clients and I've, I've even over the last couple years in particular, really have been noticing that, you know, if things are sad or you're grieving or you're, um, tired, like in, in that, like an emotional tired, if you're experiencing a little bit of depression, that will remain, but the transits around you, you can be working with to just bring in more support. So we had this Mars square Neptune that happened in, you know, at the end of 2022, there'll be one last one as it goes direct. But that was, that informs the experience of what Mars retrograde has been for people and Mars square Neptune was very uncomfortable. Um, And I remember the first day that that transit happened, talking to some people about it. And I was like, you know, I would meditate, make sure that you're eating enough, right? Because there's also these basics like stretching, eating, hydrating. We need to fortify ourselves when we, if you feel attacked, you need to kind of like Hmm. hook into fortification so you can reconcile with what's happening. But it was still a day that kind of felt, you know, wonky for a lot of people. And the way it hit my chart was just kind of feeling a little existential and feeling like my spiritual path kept me very separate from my like community. And I was working through all of this stuff. And I remember like going to yoga, everything was fine. But in my heart, I was feeling this heaviness that I was like, well, I'm glad that I knew this transit was coming because I went to yoga. I went to this shrine by my house and did a little meditation. I still came home and was like, I'm feeling it. Yeah. You're like, that was all fine, but I still feel not me or whatever. Um, So I have a lot of clients that you know, we'll go through these really rough two year. If, if someone's generally, I recommend to clients if shit has been very hard for more than a year to pivot from tarot to astrology, that I'm like, there might be a transit or something going on that would be more helpful for you to know about. Or something too, I say to them, it could be incredibly validating. I had been in a weird space and I just like couldn't really articulate it. But I was like, I don't really feel like myself. I don't, my problems don't really feel like my problem. Like I just felt weird and everything felt very hard. And it was an astrology reading that really, really gave me, uh, it was with Leslie, Leslie Gilbreth, who is the best, our cosmic day. She's a wonderful person, wonderful astrologer. And without me even saying stuff, you know, she was just like, have you been feeling like blah, 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 this is what's da, 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 da. And she's like, it shifts on like, and it was, it was a day coming. She's like, good news. Like it, it's not going to like completely resolve, but you're going to feel very different after this because these planets shift, I think maybe from earth into air. I can't remember. And she was right, but it also was so validating just for someone to say, yeah, you've had a couple months of like this and really just name it was was really helpful. Like, because I think sometimes too, or I know for me, I can be really hard on myself about what I deserve support around or like what's a problem. And I'll be like, but I'm not 
like nothing's like wrong, but I guess it was literally like the definition of like ennui, you know, like I just things didn't feel right either. It like, it felt like this just weird sort of like mid grade. And that validation was really helpful. That was just really clarifying as well to be like, okay, cool. Like I haven't been making this up. I have been in a weird fog that, I couldn't really make sense of and then and who knows but I do offer that to people if something kind of has been going on especially to if it if it relates to one area of your life like I've had clients when it's just like nothing is going right work-wise like just nothing that I'm like it can be helpful for someone to go of course, like anything can happen at any time, you know, magic loves a void, but it's been helpful for me in astrology when, an, when someone's like, listen, where your energy will be the best rewarded or where you might find flow or whatever are these areas versus these. That's been yeah. really helpful for me that if someone's like, Mm, not a lot going on in love right now. Like I would worry about this, like your communication's really strong or your, this is really strong. Like, of course I could have just disregarded it and tried to date anyway, but like it did feel better whenever I've taken that guidance and, and sort of, it, it takes some of the pressure off. Is it always the best news? Like if you're, you know, desperate for your business to take off and someone goes like, that's eh, not really where the energy is in your chart right now. It can be a bummer. It can be disappointing. But like, I think it also really helps you talk to yourself about your expectations and kind of go, am I being realistic about this? Like, do I need to give this more time? Am I putting on this business or whatever, like a me problem and I need to let it have its own timeline or whatever. Next to therapy, astrology has been one of the, the more helpful things to help me like ground and touch base with those things to like kind of come back to, <laughs> to reality in a way of, of what's going on and how do I want to use my energy? Well, yeah, because I think it also, I mean, first of all, that's my favorite thing to hear from a client too, is that I kind of knew this was already happening. You just confirmed it. I'm like, perfect. Yeah. Good. Because that's kind of what we need sometimes because without that validation, without a container for our instincts, there's nothing that really teaches us to trust our feelings, or our instincts, mm -hmm. or, you know, to be able to understand those things without having it reflected back at us. That's yeah. just not part of the way we're socialized, I think unfortunately. Yeah. And so I think that astrology is really helpful in that's how it heals us. Mm. Because if you think about also, at least in terms of maybe broader, like your life path or what your general desires out of life are and things like that, they are, there are things that we're sure about when we're younger and then they kind of shift sometimes for positive reasons, oftentimes for various traumatic reasons. Yeah. And so coming to an astrologer can also clarify like your authenticity versus where the challenges are versus also the way that everything works together in a in a way that's less linear and more like we're creating this like cosmic soup in our lives and sometimes if we are focusing on you know one ingredient but that's not where we need to be going. You know, if you're if you're making a soup and all you have is like water and chopped up potatoes and you're like, why don't the potatoes taste good? It's like, well, you didn't put any of the spices in. So <laughs> right now it's just water and potato. <laughs> there's no there's no amount like this isn't yeah. a this isn't a uh, an indictment <laughs> on who you are. <laughs> 
all we can do. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and that really, that really is, I think how, and not just astrology, but this is how healing is. I mean, how many of us have gone to various other healing situations where they're like, well, you know, it doesn't even really matter how many dates you're going on. Like if you're not working on your own self-worth or if you're not feeling like you're ready. I mean, it, I think partnership and work are both two areas where we may simultaneously think we know what we want and also are totally subconsciously blocking the thing from coming in because we haven't really gotten real with ourselves in various ways. <laughs> no. Uh, yes. Yes. <laughs> you know, so yeah. some of these, you know, there are all these other stories in all the other areas of our chart too that can mean so much more than even the first, the first stop on yeah. that interpretation. So seeing an astrologer can really show you like, yeah, if like Pluto's on your moon, like you're working with some deep, deep stuff that's going to be really uncomfortable. It doesn't mean that you can't achieve, but you also really need to be like radically facing, you know, whatever. I don't want to tangent too much. Um, yeah. And, you know, but there are some really harsh transits that people can experience that if you're not aware of your chart, you could just be like, why is my life hellscape? <laughs> I, I'm trying to do the best I can. And, you know, astrology can give you give you some clues and help you like pivot or pause too, yeah. which love that. All right. Well, we're finally here. We're going to talk about 2023 and I can't remember, I don't want to make you have to tell us about the whole year. Cause I know we've discussed you coming back. So I'm just going to let you tell us about whatever you want to tell us about of what we have to look ahead. Yeah. We can talk about, you know, the early sort of Q1. We can talk about the first chunk of the year and then I'll also, um, We'll talk about some of the bigger overarching themes just so you can start mulling it over. Yeah, I appreciate uh, that. But yeah, in January, you know, so right now we've got Mercury and Mars both retrograde. We also have Mars in a Mercury ruled sign. So we are starting the year off potentially feeling a little confused or maybe we we think that we know what we want, but we're not sure what's coming or how to navigate it. It is a little bit of just a feeling of confusion, discomfort, maybe even just uh, feeling tired or distracted, maybe burned out also mm. um, holidays. So we are starting in this this vibe of um, a retrograde feel. But 2022 also started with a Venus retrograde, and it actually was at almost the same degrees as this Mercury retrograde. So we the things that we might feel a little fuzzy on are still things that it's not necessarily anything new. Mm. We're still working out some of these Capricorn themes with that Mercury retrograde. It just makes me laugh sometimes because like I meant to text you the other day that I was like, I want to delete like my entire Instagram. I was like, it doesn't get much more like retrograde than that. I was like... I want to, you know, I was like, I wanted to like delete and reinvent like my digital footprint. And I was like, maybe relax, like before you start pressing delete, you know, it was just, but it made me laugh at like, and for, and then it, I realized like the timing and I was like, hmm, I've definitely felt the confusion and the distracted, you know, like it, I mean, I'm, I have a ADD and yet it's been a bunkers, the, I mean, the holiday season doesn't help. And like anytime that there's a lot of like kind of sensory overload, I find I can sometimes have periods where it just flares a little worse. But it is it does make me laugh sometimes like with certain um, planets and stuff that I notice it is as well that I'll be like, 
that it's just exacerbated. But it's funny when you said uh, distracted, I was like, yeah, that tracks, that tracks. Well, and actually that whole thing is very spot on for some of your chart too, because the Mercury retrograde is going through your 10th house. The Mars retrograde is going through the third house where you also have your <laughs> Venus and Gemini. Yeah. So this sort of... I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to let any cat out of the bag that you might be cooking up, but <laughs> there might be some sort of visual representation or vibe shift happening for you in the way that you present yourself yeah. on the internet, online. So your your instincts still with that, all that to say, like that that wasn't necessarily like a meltdown vibe of like you're going to shut okay, everything good down. Good to know, good to know. Although you might be overstimulated as well. Um <laughs> <laughs> two truths can be cool 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 and actually i would even say like if we were if we were working together too i would say like as a way to calm that spend some time thinking about aesthetics online that you're into like build a mm. pinterest board of what the new thing would kind of be like think about you know try to transmute that you know, the the way to work with a retrograde period, I feel like, and it's kind of similar to a void moon almost in that way too, is to find creative, fun ways to work on what already is mm -hmm. and to indulge those feelings and like explore how to use that time well. I mean, a Mercury retrograde, especially, I, you know, if something comes at you, you you want to work with it and see if there's any way that it kind of has it can have value rather than let it freak you out. Yeah, I'm glad you said that because any retrograde in general, especially Mercury, I have found adhering to the re's like revisit, uh, reassess all of those have been good for me. And like even if I've had a ghost from the past visit, they generally Anne always says take the call but that doesn't mean you have to like reignite the relationship. But she's like, anyone who comes back during Mercury retrograde, they have a piece for you about the story. Like there's something for you. I have found that to be true. Like I have found if I could be clear and not like restart something or like, you know, like re-engage, but they're just sort of like, uh, yes, thank you for reaching out. It's almost like a movie that people have been like, I just really wanted to say, I was sorry about how the, and you're like, okay. It's been 15 years but appreciate that you know yeah. and it didn't mean that we pick back up where we left or whatever but it was like this weird moment in time like something opened up you know like if you can I think be flexible and open to like changing your mind or, or thinking about letting down some of that resistance I have found that that's been a way for me to like uh, mind some of that energy to your to your point like you don't have to be afraid of it, it doesn't mean everything's going to be chaos and bad yeah. I mean, I'm for the most part pretty into Mercury retrograde, but I also have it in my chart. So Same. it's a whole little opposite day situation. Yep. But yeah, I think all of the techie digital stuff really just does suck. Like, it's not like your phone breaks and you're like, everything happens for a reason. It's like, yeah. <laughs> I think I was, my phone didn't break for any particular positive reason. But I did have that happen once during a Mercury retrograde. And I was like, honestly, you knew you needed to, like, it was a whole story about me and the phone. Like I was being reckless. I mm. was having one of those, you know, many years ago in my twenties when I was having one of those summers where I was like, not home enough and just, yeah. you know, messing up. And yeah. it was like, yeah, you broke your phone, like slow down, be responsible, get it together. That's what happens. 
you know, sometimes we have a sloppy summer. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, anyway, moving on. Um, (laughs) So, yes, Mercury will go direct January 18th, though, just heads up to everybody. Mars will go direct on the 12th. So Mars will actually go direct first. And that this is good news. We'll start to, I think the shadow periods will extend into February. So it's really like, February is going to be what actually feels a little more legit. And then Mars will remain in Gemini until March, and then it will shift into Cancer. So then we will kind of be going back into like a soup mode, if you will, but not that kind of soup mode. We will be kind of swimming back, you know, Mars and Cancer. That's like a different type of slight confusion just inherently because Mars wants to go where it wants to go. It doesn't want to necessarily bob and weave in waters, Mm. that type of thing, you know. So that's just something to keep in mind if you, especially if you do have a relationship to Mars, if you are an Aries or Aries rising, um, if you have been clocking this Mars retrograde in your chart and have understand what it's meant for you, the big the good time to really move on whatever's been going on would be once it goes direct and then really intentionally be working with that Mars and Gemini energy in February and then let it go in March. And then, then we've moved on to a more Cancerian vibe. In March, we have the two really important transits that are defining, well, not transits, planets are changing signs that are defining like this next journey that we're going to be on with Saturn and Pluto. So Saturn will enter Pisces and Pluto will enter Aquarius. And so we've had Saturn in Aquarius since 2021 and Pluto has been in Capricorn since 2008. Pluto being in Capricorn huge transformation for us culturally and collectively. And then wherever Pluto has been in your chart has been getting a real workout from that very intense planet for about 15 or so years. Yeah. Yeah. That tracks. And this, the Plutonian uh, Capricorn, the Pluto and Capricorn thing is going to, we will have a retrograde back in. So we're wrapping up that Pluto and Capricorn story now. We go into Aquarius. We're going to have a taste of what that is going to be like when it goes back in in 24. It will be there until June. And then we will have a retrograde where we go back into Capricorn. So the back end of 2023 may have us revisiting one final time at the anoretic degree, a very critical degree of Capricorn of any sign when a when a planet hits this the end of 2829 it's sort of like this is the big culmination um so it could be intense on the back end but the upside with Pluto ultimately is that if you have been doing the Plutonian work which means willingness you know courageously facing wounds like willingness to kind of face the rock bottom and do the healing work to transform and move forward being radically honest about anywhere where there's deceit or um, where you're covering something up or, or choosing not to see a wound or something bad you know Anne ortley taught me this but she always says that when pluto exits you get a gift but ultimately what this also really is is like if you do the work of pluto you are the phoenix rising. So yeah. basically Pluto either destroys you or you rise. So rising is inherently, you know, that's a feeling of forward motion. It's a, it's a it's an exhilarating like boost. So my hope for 
us, at least in our personal charts, wherever Pluto has been going through for you, you really wrap up that lesson. And if you've been doing your due diligence, and perhaps even that's where you want to focus this year is like keeping an eye on that Capricorn you know, it's almost like it's showtime. Like you've been rehearsing a show, working on something. And then when Pluto enters Aquarius, we're starting a whole new thing. And that Capricorn area of your chart, you want to have feel really healed and solid. Hmm. I like the idea of thinking about it of like, what would make you feel solid? Because I think that is something most of us, I think if we're being honest, you have to come back to time and time again of wholeness. I think wholeness, solid, whatever makes you feel like both feet are on the ground is always a really valid thing, I think, to be tapped into about yourself. You know, what makes you feel solid? What makes you feel ready to show up and say, I'm here? You know, that is very, very interesting. Um, I'm trying not to be distracted of just thinking about it all in terms of my own chart <laughs> and where it is for me. But yeah, th th that's funny when you said that, like something about that really made me think like that has been a lot of what my journey has been for where Pluto is uh, for me in my chart of like, what do I need to heal to feel solid in that? You know, like, and it, it, and I've seen it play out in like kind of multiple ways that I'm like, ah, okay. You know, I, I see the story. I see a little bit more where I could look to for my own healing as well. It's especially a huge one with Pluto going through Capricorn. Capricorn is ruled by Saturn. Capricorn also like in mundane astrology in the collective had a lot to do with things like capitalism and the the older structures. And so we were needing to, on our own personal time, really hold ourselves accountable to creating a foundation so that we can show up while also being hypercritical of the foundation around us. And Saturn ruling Capricorn, you know, Saturn kind of gets this I think there's a little bit of a hyperfixation, at least in casual conversation about Saturn being a difficult planet to experience. Yeah. But the point of Saturn is to make you stronger so that good things can happen. Yeah. So it comes through. And this is why your Saturn return can be brutal if you haven't dealt with your stuff. Because if you don't deal with your stuff, at least according to astrologers, and I think like healing at large it's going to cause problems down the line. Yeah. And so Saturn is here at your Saturn return. And then just that Saturnian energy is here trying to create this like foundation, a durable foundation or container for you to then, you know, be able to move forward authentically and also just safely. So Pluto going through Capricorn was also about like, showing you like, where are you not safe? Like, mm. where is your foundation not safe? And, and what are you in particular, Pluto going through Capricorn on a personal level? It was like, where are you like, showing up inauthentically, because you think you will be safer, when really you're in deep denial of something that needs to be healed and handled so that you can have a more enduring presence. I want to say that was a little bit of a personal call out, but um, <laughs> yes, yes. I hope that is as beneficial to everyone else as it is to me. Because <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was something I think I really started to get hip to in the past year was where have I done stuff because I thought it would guarantee me safety. And it's a weird thing to sort of try to parse out because you're like, I did it with sort of good intentions or intentions of, of keeping myself safe or whatever. 
but I knew full well I didn't want to do it, you know, like from the jump. So it's like, why am I engaging in that? And we don't always, like, you know, I just want to give hold space for anyone who like, we don't always like, I think sometimes people can get resistant to spirituality because they think it's going to be like a pass fail or like right wrong or something like that. No, these things are guidelines. They're points of inquiry. They're, they're all these different things, but they're, they're not judgment. You know, like we don't always, we do lots of things that maybe aren't the best thing for us because it's, we're, we're doing the best we can with the knowledge we have in that moment. So I think people can get a little like, caught up in maybe perfectionism and right or wrong sometimes with these things. And I just want to say like that to me, isn't the spirit any of this is intended in, you know, that it's like bringing awareness to anything is how you're going to shift it. So don't feel bad about yourself or don't think you're like failing your sign or something. If you, if you've been doing some of this stuff or you're engaging in it or you're, you know, not ready to look at places you have to heal. Like that's just not always a choice we can make at those times. Like meet yourself where you are. That's always the best with any practice or system. I think is you have to meet yourself where you are, not, not find a a new thing to be a jerk to yourself with. Yeah, no, 100%. And also, I mean, with something, especially when we're talking about really big, like galvanizing astrological transits, especially one like Pluto, which has taken, you know, Pluto moves very slowly. So this takes a long time. This isn't the type of thing where you just like wake up one day and you're like, oh, I project too much. I should stop. (laughs) You know, it's like, it's It's something that, yeah. And it's Pluto, especially, and this is also something you'll want to take into your awareness as it goes into Aquarius next is like, it's a slow like digging. It, this is like a, you know, Pluto is literally like going underground. It's not the stuff that exists on top. And that's actually why I think the, um, you know, Pluto going through Capricorn on a personal level and then the way it did interact with all of the transits and the um, the shifts in conversation around government and the patriarchy and colonialism and all of these topics that started to come up towards the end of the transit. Mm. The beginning of the transit was in 2008. It ushered in, you know, the financial crisis of 2008. But then the conversations weren't immediately like the big banks are bad and capitalism's bad. It wasn't like that. Just we had that one thing and it was such a an accepted like public conversation. It was still pushed into, you know, various different groups who had different reasons why they said it was good or bad, et cetera, et cetera. It took the whole of 15 years for people to, in a more casual way, because of various transits and because of, you know, things just progressing, that we were able to start having more comfortable conversations about how these things affect everyone and how everyone should be aware of what was hidden from us for so long that was causing so much other pain. And it's very similar to astrology as well, because it's not just capitalism and and all of its oppression. It doesn't just have to do with money or government. It also infects very mundane daily life. Yes. And so this journey in Pluto was like an investigation or journey through Capricorn was this investigation by Pluto to unearth all of that. So these healing lessons and the healing of Pluto in your own chart as well is kind of a lifelong thing that has many twists and turns. And, you know, ideally, if you are working with your own Pluto too, ultimately you have a Pluto square in midlife that is really the time where you're going to 
really step into embracing and transforming all of that. But you then you have spent almost 40 years of your life being like, something feels off, like something feels painful, but I don't know how to name it. You don't know how to name it for many years. And that's also what a collective Pluto transit is kind of going to bring up. So it's an important shift and change, but it's also not something where we can very specifically say like, this is what Pluto and Aquarius will feel like. Because yeah. even if we know the themes that it's triggering, we are also humans watching this unfold in real time. Yeah. And that, you know, so we, we as individuals are then like relating to what's happening around us. And that also helps us see where we need to heal. Right. Yeah. It's crazy to think of what has, when using the financial crisis of 2008 and thinking what's unfolded and how the culture has changed is pretty amazing to think about what that process has been of like, you know, people thinking, you know, the Occupy Wall Streeters were yeah brave but like fringe and you know and all this stuff and now pretty much everybody's anti-capitalism you know that it's just sort of wild to think what has happened what what hasn't hasn't happened in 15 years but it is such a good point you know like it's a good way to see your point of like there's a million ways that can play out there's just no way to know what it's going to mean, but it's good to be aware of the themes and how we may see that mirrored both in, in the world and in our own lives. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what, um, Aquarius also being ruled by Saturn means that this will be a, a Pluto that's about building foundations or refining to build a better foundation too. So just keeping in mind, like Saturn as a planet of responsibility mm. and the best thing you can sort of intend to do for this transit would be then like, I want to continue to be accountable and responsible both to myself where things feel like they're getting rocky and then also still in the world and how to kind of work with all of that. Yeah. And I think, you know, this has been, it's been a really potent time. Pluto going through Capricorn also had all of these rare conjunctions at the end of its experience. So I also want to kind of disclaimer and say that Pluto, I mean, Pluto continues to move and it doesn't mean that every chunk of time there's going to be like huge, like political shit. It's not like it's constantly guaranteed to enter like a totally chaotic time. You know, we had Pluto and Sag before 2008, obviously, and that, that brought other things going on, but Pluto and Capricorn was particularly destabilizing because of the fact that the United States has Pluto in its chart and because of, you know, what Capricorn represents in general. For at least the first quarter of the year, do you think it's worth it for people to sort of marinate on some themes like, like you, like you said, like foundations and responsibility, like is now a good time to sort of not really make any plans or think about what you're going to do about those things. But think about like, when I think of Pluto, I think of power. Like whenever things are going on with Pluto, I think of, well, how do I define power? Where am I exerting my power? Where am I denying it? Where am I maybe overexert? You know, I just think about, I just sort of use it as a prompt. Are there any themes right now you think that would be really worth it to people to sort of marinate, spend some time, think of like 
you know, what comes to mind when you think like responsibility, what comes to mind, you know, because I think these are things that are really important because like as a culture, like with responsibility, for example, I think we are really like asking, like, what do we think a government is responsible for? Like a lot of the people are saying universal health care, you know, and it's like, well, then what do you also think in your personal life? How responsible do you think you are to your community or to you, your partner? Or like, are these, is now some of the time to be thinking about these things as that energy will grow or become more relevant? I'm not sure how to, to say it. I guess what I'm asking are, are there some themes that it would be worthwhile for people to gain some personal clarity on before maybe conjunctions habit or transits habit or things change signs like are there some themes to be thinking about that would we could benefit from for sure so for q1 i think that thinking about what came up for you around your relationship to both security of any kind mm -hmm. throughout pluto being in capricorn 2008 to now but then the real critical hot spot was from really 2018 to now. 2018 was when the South Node was there. So that's when that's really when things started bubbling up. And what I would keep in mind there is where are you afraid? So when you're working with Pluto, your own Pluto or a difficult Pluto transit elsewhere in your chart, the big thing is like where are you afraid to look in order to heal or where are you afraid to um where or what is still lurking that is preventing you from really like surrendering to whatever is on the other side of this wound or scary moment or whatever it is. And because we have the South Node in Scorpio, which is traditionally ruled by Mars. So when we're kind of talking about rulership, you talk about Mars, but Scorpio also is associated with Pluto. And Pluto and Scorpio is also about like retention. So like, where are you holding on too tight? So where are you afraid and where you're holding on too tight is what we want to be thinking about because the nodes will shift in July. So this story around Scorpio also is starting to wrap up. So Scorpio and Capricorn, think about those in and out lists that everyone was putting yeah. on Instagram. <laughs> not Scorpio sons or Capricorn sons. We're not talking about people, but the, <laughs> but you know, the Scorpio and Capricorn thing is being wrapped up. And then, you know, what will then be in would be the Aries Libra axis, which we'll talk about later on in the year. <laughs> but what you want to be thinking about is also after all of this Plutonian disruption has happened, what is it you want? North node and Taurus, what is it you value? And then how to heal it and how to address Pluto is what are you afraid of and what are you holding on to? And the connection between those things is, are you still holding on to out of fear something that doesn't serve you or the people around you in order to have a grasp or a connection to what it is you think you want? So for instance, you know, I know for myself, the journey of Pluto through Capricorn, it hit my moon, it was in my sixth house, it trined my sun. There was a lot going on where I had to, I was having a lot of conversations with myself around just stuff that parts of vulnerability. So I have to really think about as this is moving out, 
how will I continue to pursue a little more vulnerability and still feel with my sixth house being associated with work and with Capricorn having all of these like old hardwired capitalist stories for us all. It's like, do I think that I'll be gainfully employed if I am honest about who I am and what I want to do? Or should I choose to continue to hide certain aspects of myself and and be of service in, in ways that don't actually serve me or maybe make me a less authentic or even positive version of myself. And so I would look in your chart and kind of think about like, where is that dance happening? Are you someone who wants to continue to speak up socially and politically, but you have like this other aspect of life where you feel like you will be rejected because of that? You have to be thinking about that now. Like, what will you lose? What is your, because whatever you are, whatever you're kind of tuning into on the back end of this Pluto transit is really where you're meant to land. It is ideally a healed place. You've gone through a gauntlet, you've had some realizations, and you know, we see it all the time just in life where people will they will maybe have like a revelatory experience and they want to change their life and then they're like actually I'm not going to change my life. I'm just going to like stay. That was a cute little month of a retreat or or just like an experience where I had an important conversation but I'm actually not going to quit or I'm not going to stop and and honestly, if that also, if that's the case, if there are things that you're afraid of, this also isn't like a hard stop timeline situation where you have to make any life choices, but it is about just continuing to kind of explore, like, where do you feel incomplete around stepping into some power in that area of your chart? And just in general, it's something that you can, you'll, you tune into intuitively You'll know what part of you got rocked the last few years. It's not easy. It's not easy. But I'll be really curious to see. I feel, I thank you for all that you have shared. And I'm not trying to cut you off, but we've been talking for a long time. So if that's all you want to say, it's totally valid and fair. Now knowing this, and I attend your workshop yesterday where you, you talked a little bit about astrology and let us in a meditation and stuff. I'll be so curious to see how things play out for me, like having just done some stuff that I think felt gently supportive versus like new year, new you, or, you know, get super clear. And it's funny, my intention for the new year, I don't really do resolutions. I do intentions was face it, you know, which mm, is very yeah, funny to that. me with everything you had said that I, I, I saw it, I think on, you know, we, the urban or somebody was like, you know, in 2023, like we're, we're facing things or something. And I thought that's a good one for me. Like I can be so deeply avoidant that I was like, what would it be like to face stuff? You know, like when, you know, like my default is always going to be to like run away or go into like some sort of mode. And I'm like, what would it be like to just like, stay with yourself and just face it, you know, like whatever that may be. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a great place to end for Q1 and almost add to if anyone wants to hop on your intention or whatever, but just to think about like, we're facing things. And then with that North Node and Taurus and, you know, coming out of all that we've come out of, like facing them when Saturn also enters Pisces in March, like facing them with compassion yeah, and facing them not with this Capricorn expectation of like, I'm going to face it and I'm going to hold myself accountable in a rigid way, but I'm facing it because I am courageous and I am worthy of being met with a positive response to my courage. 
Yeah, I have already in my personal life seen that play out a little bit where I was just like more honest with my mom about something. And I was like, it just overwhelms me and shuts me down. And she was like, I see that and I'm going to help you. And then, I mean, she's already driven me a little bit crazy, but the response was way less, like she can be a little more, I mean, she's a mom, she's my mom. Like, of course she's going to be a little bit more like, why haven't you done that? You know, she's going to be more parental. And it was Hmm. interesting. This was like literally on Christmas. So it just happened. It was a lot more compassionate and it was a lot more, like I'm going to help you with this because you you deserve to, to have this you know it was much kinder and, and more compassionate yes and this isn't critical about my mom I just mean it was just different for from a parental take it's not something yeah. she has to be nice to me about and she was being very soft and nice and a lot more gentle and I was like well, this is interesting you know and I was like well if she's gonna be that way like also to me the work was like allow it let her support you let her be like you know it, it but it was interesting it's funny you say that that I was like I, I've I've already experienced that a little bit and it just you know brings on the dance of then allowing it and receiving it re- letting yourself receive some of that ease con- in kindness and stuff as well yeah I think that that would be something that I would want to like tie up some of this stuff is is the that we are allowed to have needs and we need to feel safe and confident and comfortable advocating for those needs because post all of this upheaval what we were really processing and assessing in 2022 and now rebuilding in 23 is how do we get our needs net needs net (laughs) (laughs) how do we get I need my lion's name. Um, <laughs> how do we get our needs met ethically, authentically, and whatnot post this huge reckoning and revelations around how a lot of our values may have been you know, manipulated and are biased because of growing up in these like oppressive frameworks. Yeah. You know, and thinking about, I think that the common, one of the common reactions to this type of, you know, a a shift in collective consciousness around things like values and ethics and everything is then for people to want to like render themselves needless. Yeah. Out of fear of asking for too much or fear that who they are, what they want is still, it may cause harm. And so we have to have the, we have to be building spaces to allow for support around voicing needs and then really like help each other um, get those needs met. And that is both structurally and externally, as well as in our communities, as well as personally and, and socially. Um that's really what this whole year is about. This really, I was telling a friend, like this year sort of feels like starting high school. Mm. It should be cool. There's, <laughs> and you gotta go and there's stuff you wanna do. And it's a bridge to getting your best adult life. Yes. But also you don't know who you're gonna be friends with. You don't know if you're cool anymore or at all. <laughs> you don't know like where, who you're gonna eat lunch with. We're, that's, this year we're working on all that stuff. So it's going to be really like vulnerable and tender and there's going to be some awkward feelings. And then, 
you know, we also run this risk of sort of maybe doing a little too much too soon if we haven't gotten really clear about like patience and intentionality. So, you know, it's going to be a huge energy shift. I mean, March is going to feel, we're going to feel it with Pluto and Saturn, but what we want to be working on right now is just, yeah, like refining and connecting to the self and um, what we want and feeling like we are safe to start building that now because this is that time. Yeah, I think we should end on that. That's so good. Even though it's funny, well, I say that and then I'm going to promptly like not end on it because I wanted to to quote Vanessa back to herself um, in the workshop yesterday as I try to hold my mic and fiddle for my notebook of life. I almost said notebook of knife. It's contagious. Yeah, it's contagious. <laughs> I do that all the time. Scramble my words. I am queen of brain farts. Yeah. Just and when someone, everybody get used to it now. Yeah, and when somebody goes like, do you realize you just said, I'm like, if I paid attention to every time I scrambled my words, I'm like, that's all I would do in a day. But I loved what you said, trusting the wisdom of your joy. And I feel like... Um, I loved that and I've thought a lot about that and I feel like for all of us, you know, with what Vanessa said, it would, it, it, there's no, regardless of how you feel about astrology, we're not going to debate its validity. We're, we, we have fully signed on. We believe in it. There's no way in which we cannot benefit or we can't show up in the world in a better way if we trust the validity, both of our needs and our joy that, it will you will be a better person and you will be in more honest connection with people and the world. So really worthy of thinking about, even if you're like, I'm new to astrology, I don't know what any of this means. It doesn't matter. The core messages I think are super worth all of us thinking a little bit about and how would that shift the way we show up in the world. So huge thank you to Vanessa for being with me and I Thank you. thought she was sipping on like a morning elixir and it was bone broth and I was like damn this is a grounded woman today having her nourishing broth um so thank you for being with me today and happy new year everybody let us know Tell us how what Vanessa said, like, matches up with your chart. Like, have you been experiencing this? You know, have you been noticing it? Um, what are your hot thoughts on Pluto? You know, like, let let us know. Yeah, I would love, would love to hear. And definitely sending healing and strength to everybody who had an extra rough Pluto journey. Yeah, yeah. It's not fun. But she will be back. We're going to try to do this every quarter do a little astrological report. So there will always be more Vanessa, y'all. And you can always book her for a session. So yeah, thanks. And cool. Thanks, guys. Bye. That's all for today. If you're interested in submitting a topic, please go to anatonk.com and hit the contact button. Or you can email me at annatonk at gmail.com. If you're a fan of the podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe. It really does help. 